Welcome to Lessons from the Helpful Dead, where you'll learn the world is not what it seems, and you are much more than you think you are. Here you'll learn about positive and reassuring messages from supposedly dead people whose main purpose is to help us. Find out what happens after we die, why we're here, how we got here, where we're going, and discover that you are really a powerful eternal spirit. I'm Dan McEnany. Today we'll talk about focus versus cause and effect as the operating mechanism uh, in our reality. Now, Seth is quite clear and emphatic on a point that was also made by those super smart theoretical physicists that we talked about in an earlier discussion, especially their conclusions in number 17, 18, 19, and 20 of the Fantastic 40. Now, the point is quite simple. In a world where everything is really happening right now, despite our perceptions of time, then you cannot possibly have cause and effect. Instead, the main determinant of the reality that we experience is focus. Consider this. All of your probable futures are out there right now. When you are between lives, you get a better idea of this because you can see a number of them you get an even better picture when you've finished with the life-death sequence, as Seth has. The reason we can see or experience only one event at a time is because of our fine, precise, up-close focus. It's much the same as looking through a close-up magnifying lens or a microscope. It lets you get a splendid view of a part of a petal on a single rose, unmatched for clarity of detail, and for experiencing that part of the pedal with an immediacy and intensity that could not be experienced with a broader view. But you can't see that part and another part too at the same time, not as long as you're looking through a close-up lens. But now back up. Stop looking through the lens. Use your normal focus. You can now in the same moment see not only the whole pedal, but the whole flower and the whole rose bush. Take another step backwards, and you're focusing on the whole rose garden with hundreds of bushes. Now look up, and your focus includes not only the rose garden, but a nearby skyscraper, the river, and the passing traffic, all at once. Now, according to Seth, we're living in a very fine, up-close focus, and so we see only one event at a time. We logically come to, the, uh, to believe in uh, the cause and effect based on our daily experience, right? Remember Larry Lachan's sensory mode, the one we operate in daily. In the reality we presently perceive through our bodies, we need to act as though cause and effect is an operating principle because it is in our illusory world. But if in the greater underlying reality, everything is happening at once, Seth explained, then cause and effect can only be an illusion, part of our greater illusion. If we could grasp the bigger picture, though, something akin to Lachan's clairvoyant mode or the fantastic 40 conclusions by the quantum physicists, we'd understand that the major factor in the events and objects we experience, the main force in making things come into our reality, is focus. I think it would be helpful here if you just picture a football field and 
laid out on that f- football field are all the events uh, right now and in the future and the past. They're all there. When we come into the human time-space illusion, though, in order to function here, we are forced to focus in very, very tightly so we can only see one event at a time. It's also uh, helpful here to think of uh, Seth's statement when he said, you're as dead now as you will ever be. I I think it would probably help instead of thinking of life and death, if we think of uptight, close focus and an expanded focus of our awareness. In our death states, we have a, a, a much greater awareness, our consciousness does, a much greater awareness of many realities. But when we decide to enter a physical body, we have to agree that we'll have that up-close, tight focus. So one of the things you are, in effect, is a focusing machine, whether you're alive in the body or alive out of it. While you're in the body, all of your realities are out there still. Which one you bring into your reality depends on which one you focus on. And how do you do that? Well, you do it with your beliefs, your expectations, and your emotions. Now, your beliefs set the limits. As long as you believe you cannot do something, you won't be able to do it. As long as humans generally believed that flight in a heavier-than-air machine was impossible, it was. If you personally believe that you cannot change your job, you won't be able to. Your beliefs about what is possible for you in the future will set the parameters for the kinds of probable futures that you'll be able to bring into focus. Not that the others aren't out there, you just don't bring them into focus because of your beliefs. Unfortunately for many of us, our beliefs about what we can do and the kind of world we can experience, they become more limited and narrow as we grow older. If as adults we could keep open the wondrous possibilities we envision as children, we'd all be better off and we'd have the opportunity to actually experience what we envision. Next, we'll talk about expectations. Now, within that range of probable futures that you can bring into focus, you can bring in only one. How do you do it? With your expectations, which are your thoughts about the future. They have an electromagnetic reality, sending out connecting strands to the probable future they envision. If you're thinking a lot about two or three alternative futures, you're sending out a number of connecting strands to each, so that as you get closer to the point where one of them will come into your reality, you have effectively narrowed down the possibility, uh, the possibilities to those two or three. Now, eventually, you bring one probability into clear focus, and like a good radio receiver, you don't pick up the signals of the others. So that particular future that you've brought into focus, that becomes your now, your reality. The others aren't any less real, however, any more than the signals of the other radio stations are less real just because you're not tuned into them. Now you can be sure, if you gave those other options a lot of thought, there's a probable you who is experiencing them, thinking he or she is the official you. There may be a probable you who decided not to listen to this podcast. To that probable self, uh, another portion of you, the you that you know, the one who's listening to me right now, is just a probable self. And that 
other self probably isn't aware of you. So remember now, with your expectations, you're sending out a lot of electromagnetic signals. So you might as well make those expectations as positive and pleasing as possible. So your beliefs set the limits, your expectations send out the signals, and your emotions are the next factor to consider. The emotions are the driving force, the energy that makes it all happen. The intensity of the emotions that you put behind your thoughts, the intensity of the emotions that you put behind your thoughts will determine how strong your connecting strands are. So intensity is important. Now, <clears throat> the emotions can be loaded positively or negatively. Either way, their strength will bring in a given future with a lot stronger signal. So you want to be having positive emotions if possible. Now, the reason that happens is because there are coordinate points where re uh, realities overlap, containing great energy. These coordinate points, they act as channels through which energy flows. And they act as transformers that provide much of the generating energy that supports what seems to us as a continuous solid reality. Our emotions and feelings activate these concentrated energy points. And the points in return intensify whatever activates them. What you or I experience is automatically expressed as what's called electromagnetic energy units, EEUs, electromagnetic energy units. Now these exist beneath physical matter. These are particles that have not yet emerged into matter. While all thoughts and emotions can exist as these electromagnetic energy units, these EEUs, only those with sufficient intensity emerge into the building blocks of physical matter. So when you have clearly defined mental images and they are accompanied by strong emotion, these will be attracted to the coordinate points which accelerate and expand their energy. The result? Well, those thoughts and strong feelings become the blueprint for events and objects that appear in your reality. The intensity of feelings and thoughts is therefore the most important factor in determining whether they become part of the physical reality you experience. Now this is true, as I said, regardless of the nature of your thoughts and feelings. Fierce hate will attract a particular future just as strongly as overwhelming love will attract a different one. You could compare it to electric power. It can be used to power a fan or an electric chair. The kind of emotion you experience, you see, has a lot to do with the kind of future you bring into focus. Now, uh, an easy-to-read and practical book written years ago, which was devoted to instructing you how to use your feelings to bring about what you want, uh, is the book Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting by Lynn Grabhorn, G-R-A-B-H-O-R-N. Uh, if you read just the first 150 pages, you'll get the idea. Now, she obvi obviously uh, understands the principles that I've mentioned. And, of course, Creative Visualization by Shakti Gawain also provides easy-to-apply techniques and methods for using both visualization and affirmations to bring into reality what you desire. She, too, understands these same principles. 
I think her earlier book, her first version of creative visualization, was the simplest and easiest to use, but I'm sure any version would be helpful. Now, when you look at the entire body of literature on positive thinking, you will see this same theme reported over and over by authors who were alive when they expressed them, meaning alive in the physical body. Norman Vincent Peale is probably uh, the most famous over the past century. Uh, the technique goes by different names, uh, visualization, imaging, picturing, but it's basically the same. Believe, concentrate, and envision, and put a lot of emotion into it. So in a very real sense, uh, Seth corroborates what many respected people in the field of positive thinking have been telling us for quite some time. But he gives us a better explanation of why it works. Well, that concludes our discussion of a focus versus cause and effect. And in the next session, we're going to start taking a look at some of the really big questions. Questions like, why are we here and how did we get here? So uh, if you've listened this far, I'm sure you'll be very interested uh, in the statements about those big questions. Again, I'm Dan McEnany bringing you lessons from the helpful dead.